Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our gospel reading from the seventh chapter of St. Mark with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said to the woman, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. Well, friends, with the fall semester of studies now well underway, I I can't help but find myself reflecting upon Uh, Some of the times that I had in school as a young man, particularly around high school or college with my friends, I I look back fondly on those times, both in session and out, uh, but most particularly just those times after school when I would gather together with my friends and we would hang out at one of our houses or apartments and, you know, play video games, do a whole lot of nothing or just kind of sit together and talk until our parents returned home from work and each of us went our separate ways. But out of all of the places that we liked to meet up, I always remember looking forward to those times when we would go over to my friend Cody's house because, you see, I'm an avid dog lover and Cody's family had this great big mastiff that served as kind of a guard dog for his family's house. Well, to an extent, anyway. For you see, the moment that you entered the house for the first time and you saw this great big pooch leap off the couch or come to the window, you would kind of stop dead in your tracks. Your heart might skip a beat as you saw this just lumbering behemoth of a dog saunter towards you and your mind filled with all kinds of possibilities as to what such a great animal could possibly do to you if it was angry. But lumbering slowly your way, This dog would then approach you and then kind of nudge her substantial head right against your hip. And then she would plop down onto the floor, roll over, and show you her belly, ready for pets and scratches in frank expectation. This dog's name, you might ask, Cupcake. And Cupcake was about 150 pounds of cuddles and laziness. But most people who saw Cupcake would never guess because her sheer size was more than enough to make most people who saw her nervous. Appearances, as many of us can attest, can oftentimes be deceiving. Take for a more significant example the Syrophoenician woman who we read about in today's gospel reading from the seventh chapter of St. Mark. This woman coming to the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, in desperation on behalf of her demon-afflicted daughter, must have appeared to most people who saw her the very definition of pitiable. She was no big dog by our reckoning. Rather, she must have appeared more like a a whimpering mutt. But, in her anguish, we see her bold to make her request before the Christ. She did this for the reason that so many of the great crowds who followed Jesus did. She had heard of the mighty signs and wonders associated with him by virtue of the great crowds 
who followed him from city to city as he went about preaching, teaching, and most importantly for her, casting out demons. She had heard, and rightly, she had come to believe in his authority. But then when we come to this text and we see the woman approach Jesus, we were greeted with something kind of unusual. Jesus, for all intents and purposes, appears, at least, to be not quite himself at the beginning of St. Mark's Gospel. His response to the woman's request in chapter 7 sounds somewhat cruel and dismissive to our ears. Here again, the words that he speaks to this poor woman. He says to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ouch. Now, before we decide to get up in arms about anything, let's take a closer look at the text today, and let's examine first why Jesus made this statement, and then secondly, what it was that he was hoping to communicate to those who heard him. Firstly, it's important to acknowledge that according to the prophetic predictions surrounding this Messiah figure, Jesus was not only well within his right, but he was absolutely correct in his statement. This Greek woman, having heard of him not by first-hand experience, for she was not a Jew, would have known and acknowledged this most important fact. The Messiah to God's people Israel would, as his principal task, minister first and foremost to the lost sheep of Israel. To call this woman, and then by, all, by extension all Gentiles, a dog, Jesus was highlighting the difference between what it meant to live as a child of God's covenant versus what it meant for the rest of the created order. Jesus was not being cruel, as we might assume. Rather, he was outlining what the peoples, both Jew and Greek, might have expected from the Messiah. As a child, that is, as a Jew, one could expect a seat at the table where they would be fed by their heavenly Father, while those outside of the covenant could not expect this privilege. And yet, even for the Greeks, even for the Gentiles, they are still a part of his creation. In fact, the Greek word in which the New Testament was written that Jesus uses for dog, that is, kunarion, means a domesticated animal that oftentimes would be part of one's household. This would have been a a creature like Cupcake, if you remember. One that is well-loved as a family pet, but certainly not an heir of the master's house. But still, we might ask, why use this kind of diminishing speech toward one who had come to him in such an earnest show of faith? Why, Why call her a dog at all? Certainly, Jesus created this woman. Certainly Jesus loved her. Certainly Jesus wanted her to know him as her Savior. Well, quite simply, dear friends, what Jesus was doing here, what he wanted to see and what really what he wanted his disciples to see, was whether this woman, a Gentile, could have a genuine faith. Was the words, were the words of her mouth the real deal or was she simply parroting what she had heard from the Jews surrounding Jesus in order to hopefully glean some small favor from him. 
Remember, dear friends, that appearances can be deceiving. But this woman, undeterred, responds to Jesus' statement with a, one of her own which demonstrates her faith to be genuine. Here again when she says, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table still eat the children's crumbs. It was as though she were saying to him, Yes, Lord, you are right indeed that I, a Gentile, have no right to ask of you what is rightly set aside for your own people. You are Israel's Messiah, and the bread that you give belongs to the children of Israel. But when the children eat, do not also the dogs get to eat along with them? Is not the bread of the Messiah so abundant that the portions of the children's food may fall scattered to the floor where the dogs, who are also part of the household, may gather it up for their nourishment? Therefore, O Lord, if I am to be a dog, then let me be your dog. Let the bread which falls to me from that table be your bread. And friends, having heard this word of genuine faith from this woman, Jesus gives her that which her heart desires. Her daughter was healed. Now I want you to focus back on on that statement that she made towards Christ, and I want you in your heads to compare it with what we have seen and heard in the last month or so's readings from his own people, from the Israelites. Most specifically from the scribes and the Pharisees who week after week we've seen challenge him at every turn. These men who, and you'll pardon the pun, considered themselves to be the big dogs among the people of Israel. They were supposed to be the most dedicated. They were supposed to be the most learned, the most observant Jews in the land. And yet, when their Messiah came and revealed himself to them to be the very bread of life, these big dogs did not partake. When their Messiah came warning them not to cling too closely to the traditions of man, well, they clung all the more fiercely to their man-made rules and rituals. When their Messiah came, And he admonished them that their works would not make them pure of heart. Well, then their hearts were hardened. And by their works, they began to seek out the death of Jesus. And so the portion, which should have been theirs, fell from their table and was scooped up by the goyim, by the Gentiles by the dogs. In other words, their bread was given to you and me. For that bread which was rejected by the people of Israel proved to be the food of salvation for all of those who were not of the old Abrahamic covenant. We who were once dead in our trespasses have been made partakers of the very bread of life. By Jesus' sacrifice for us on Calvary's cross. And so, dear brothers and sisters, you and I are no longer considered outsiders or aliens. No longer are we considered dogs who are begging for scraps. Though outside appearances would declare us to be lost in sin and subject to judgment, God, in his mercy, 
has called us his children. Like the Syrophoenician woman of whom we read, he has imparted to us the gift of life-saving faith. And he has called us to his table to receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Like that sainted woman, we by faith have been given access to all which Christ has promised to his very own. And still, our story does not end there. For in our gospel text, we read about another individual whose appearance belied all which his God had planned for him. Here again the text. Then they brought to Jesus a man who, ha- who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, Jesus put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to the man, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And at once his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. This man heard the words of his Savior, and his ears were open, and his tongue was loosed. I want you to take note of the manner in which this formerly deaf and dumb man spoke. For when the text says that he spoke plainly, it does not mean that he spoke plainly about the weather, or about his weekend plans, which were looking much better now with this new hearing and speaking. No, when his ears were opened, and when his tongue was loosed, the original language of the scriptures say that he ilale orthos. That means more than just plain speech. Literally translated, it means to give an upright utterance. Do you see what's happening here? In other words, this man hears his Savior speak to him, be open. And with his opened mouth, he begins to make a faithful confession. He begins to proclaim the wonders of the Christ who has healed him from this temporal affliction. The words go on to say that even at Jesus' protest, not just the formerly deaf and dumb man, but all who had witnessed this great miracle began to speak and proclaim the wonders that they saw concerning him. This they did even at the protest of Jesus, for he knew that his time had not yet come. And why? Why this great thunder about this seemingly humble man? Why all of this sudden proclamation where there had been none before? Because, dear friends, this is what our God does. He constantly defies our expectations. And he is always shattering the illusion of those deceptive and misleading appearances. He takes the outsider, us, and he invites them to feast at his table. He takes those ears which are unable to hear the gospel and he opens them to receive the news of his salvation. He takes the tongue which is unable to articulate this saving faith and he places on it his word of grace. Likewise, we read how he takes the mighty and the rich and the worldly wise and he makes them lowly. He confounds them before the mercy seat of the Christ. And then the Christ himself, 
who came down from his heavenly throne and who took on poverty, meekness, and humility. He became, by all appearances, like us in every way, and yet those appearances deceived. For in this humble frame was still housed the fullness of the Godhead. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians that he, being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, who appeared to us in meekness and humility, who suffered as we suffered, and who took on the seeming defeat of a humiliating death upon a cross, this Jesus, by this act, has won for us the ultimate victory. Oh, how appearances deceive. For this humble servant, this man underestimated and rejected by his own people, betrayed and crucified by those he came to save, this man is every inch Israel's Messiah. More than that, He is the Savior of all our human race. This Jesus, He is the one who came to deliver us from sin and death. He is the big dog against whom the old evil foe dare not trespass. Be not misled, dear brothers and sisters, as the scribes and the Pharisees were, by the humble means in which He comes to you this day in His house. In humble bread and wine, in ordinary water, In the spoken word. For by these common means, Jesus offers you that portion which is reserved for his own dear children, that true food which satisfies us unto life everlasting. And so, dear friends, with your tongues, may you ever confess him who for us has done all things well, him who makes the deaf hear. And the mute speak. Him who drives out demons and conquers death itself, even Jesus Christ our Lord. In his most mighty name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.